You know what, Sam? What? I think we're in trouble. I think we're in mildly trouble, too. Coming to you from the heart of Kane's country, this is the Kaniac Report. Your number one source for everything Carolina Hurricanes, hot takes, predictions, game analysis, and NHL news. And now your hosts, Sam Wallace and Sam Driscoll. All right, we're back with another episode of the Kaniac Report. Oh my gosh, Hurricanes hitting rock bottom, bottom I think, this season on this uh, road trip. Uh, wow, it's been rough. Uh, hopefully you guys have had a, a better weekend than the Hurricanes mm. have had, uh, but it, it, it's been a rough uh, weekend. Before we uh, start on this episode, though, uh, first things first, we just wanted to let you know uh, that we have a s- promo with SeatGeek, where if you ha- have never made a purchase before, you can make your first purchase with SeatGeek. Use promo code KANIACREPORT, all one word, you get 20% off of your first purchase for SeatGeek uh, to get tickets possibly at a Hurricanes game. So I would use that. I think that's a very good benefit right there. Right, Sam? Yes, it is. Good benefit. Save some discount on some tickets. Um, go see the Hurricanes. Hopefully turn it around once they get home. Because this road trip's a disaster. Oh, yeah. Road trips have uh, kind of hurt us. At home, we've been mediocre. Mediocre to above average, I would say. But road trips have not been pleasant so far uh, this season for the Hurricanes. Um, Another piece of news, too. In this episode, we have a special guest, uh, first-time guest with us, in Corey Lavalette, Sam. Uh, Obviously... uh, he um, is a uh, writer for The Athletic and the uh, North State Journal. Yeah, North State Journal. That's what it was. Yep. And uh, we're very excited to have him on. It's going to be very fun. Uh, Sam Driscoll will be interviewing him. Um, he's a very knowledgeable guy, especially if you're working for The Athletic. Yeah, Athletic, North State Journal, brilliant dude. You'll really enjoy the conversation that we're going to have. Um, we haven't done it yet. We're going to do that around 6 o'clock, so it's about two hours from when we're recording this part. So I'm sure everybody will enjoy it. They'll get um, some good information. We're going to talk about a lot of different things. Yes, definitely. Uh, so that's going to be very fun. That's going to be the last half of this episode. And um, obviously, I post timestamps in the description. So if you just want to hear that, so just go to that time, and uh, you'll get to hear the whole interview. Uh, so, Sam, uh, let's get to a couple of NHL news. It's going to be light because of that interview that we do have with Corey Lovelette, but um, a former Hurricane legend, <laughs> yes, a Pugliarvi, yes, gets a, a PTO yep. from Pittsburgh, which is interesting. Now, Pittsburgh, they're kind of like us right now. They are not doing good. Now, they now they have a very veteran squad, more veteran than, than us, I, I would say. But they also have Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin. So. Yes, <laughs> they 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 they're not doing well. Their power play is like glass in the league. I think that's what's been the Achilles heel, especially yeah. from my, from what I've heard from the hockey guy. Yeah, and from my understanding, Tristan Jari's not has been pretty solid, and, and Nedeljkovic is actually having a pretty solid year. You think we could get any of those goalies the way our goalies are performing right now? I'll take Scott Darling. I do not care anymore. Go ahead and sign Scott Darling. <laughs> it's like not much worse. Not much better either. Scott no. Darling was pretty bad. It was, but I think even his numbers were better than some of the numbers we're getting right now. Kind of sad, but true. Yeah, but um, yeah, yes, they pull your RV. Uh, if he signs with Pittsburgh, uh, good for him. Uh, he'll get another chance to play in the NHL. And obviously, if you're playing next to Sidney Crosby, there is no excuse for your performance right there. <laughs> if, if you're able to seize that opportunity, of course. Uh, so good luck to Yesse Pugliarvi. Hopefully he uh, signs with Pittsburgh. 
because uh, he was de- he was decent with us, but not fantastic. Uh, Sam, the next next piece of news here, um, which I thought was fun to talk about, uh, was Patrick Kane scored his first goal for Detroit. It was the only goal for Detroit. They lost like I believe five to one yesterday. Uh, but Patrick Kane, a hey, uh, good 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 for Patrick Kane. I'm just happy he's not in the Metro. That's the biggest thing. Not in the Metro. However, we do get to play him at our lowest point right now as we get to play him on Thursday. And it's a national game, too, so yay. Oh, yeah. It's going to be fun. Thursday is Detroit, and Tuesday is going to be Ottawa. And uh, just to give you guys a little bit of a heads up, if you guys are going, we are going to be at the Garner location Carolina L House. It's the closest to us, actually. So I'm definitely going to seize that opportunity. Yeah, it's about 10, 15 minutes away. We'll we'll go have fun and hopefully watch the Hurricanes win because we need a win. Yes, we definitely, definitely do. Um, A a million times, yes. Uh, So, yeah, that's kind of um, all for uh, the NHL news. Unfortunately for Detroit, though, once they get a star in Patrick Kane, they lose a star in Dylan Larkin. Yeah, that was uh, an interesting that situation. Was, that was very interesting. But uh, now we're going to get on to some Hurricanes news here. And Sam, uh, congrats to Stahl, even though we lost the Vancouver game. But <laughs> yeah. that game marked his uh, 1,200th game in his career. That's a pretty impressive uh, resume, I would say. Yep, definitely. He's been the captain uh, of this franchise now, and Ford, he helped lead this team to success. Hopefully he'll be able to continue to lead this team to success and we can find a better path forward. Or we can just stay the course, Sam. Oh gosh, that's that you just reminded me of Kurt Muller in that statement, which will give my dad an aneurysm if you ever heard those words coming out of Brenda Moore's mouth. <laughs> just gotta stay the course. Just gotta uh. stay the course. We lost our fifth we lost our tenth in a row, just gotta stay the course. Oh yeah, I remember. Yeah, the for for you guys who d- that don't know the story, uh, when Kurt Bowler was head coach and he said stay the course after we kind of like what lost four or five in the row, oh, my dad was freaking out. I was a little bit laughing because of my dad's reaction, but <laughs> it's just it's remember, funny. Sam, we got to stay funny. the course. Just got to stay the course. We're gonna stay not the with course. our goaltending. <laughs> just gonna stay the course. No. Well, I mean, Adam Gold was right. I don't know if you listened to to what he did after yesterday, but I mean, this team will not make the playoffs with their current goaltending situation. So they either choose to keep going, in which case they will miss the playoffs because they're not good enough to do it right now, or we can go out and solve the problem. I agree with him. Yes, and honestly, I would agree with him in the fact that um, I think uh, the – um, Hurricanes, they don't play confident in front of the goalies. I would say they play a little bit more confident in front of Ronta than Kachekov, mm-hmm. but not by much. Yeah. I thought he really hit home in that statement and the fact that we just were too cautious with the puck because they know what's been going on with the goalie yeah, situation. For sure. It's, so I, I honestly and don't worry, I'll talk about this with Corey as well. Um, we'll talk about a lot of these things. Yes, these and obviously the Hurricanes had a players only meeting in Vancouver. Yeah. Let's just touch upon this just a little bit, not much, because yeah. you're going to be delving this in with. Yeah, Corey. I'm going to really try to delve into this in, in just a little bit with Corey. It'll be one of the first things that we talk about because, again, as a Hurricanes insider and a beat reporter for the team with the Athletic or State Journal. Uh, he is in a very unique position to have these kinds of conversations with. And, and I want to get them, especially when it's something like this, we want to make sure we have the most accurate information. And, and I think it's important because it's a big deal, right? Rob Brennamore wasn't in the room. Yeah. Well, my, my, my whole opinion on that is that why didn't they have something like this sooner? But I don't know. Adam yeah. Gold said there have been multiple. I, I don't know. I haven't or seen any reporting on there being multiple. This is the first time I've seen this. So, I mean, if there were multiple, I guess they haven't done anything. Hopefully this one does. Um, I just, I don't know. Considering Elia Friedman reported on this, can, to me, kind of consider this to be a big meeting. Yeah, it sounds sorts. like the case. So, I mean, I'm sure it's a conversation like, hey, 
uh, if we want to do this together, we got to figure it out or else some of us are going to be gone. Yeah. I mean, it, it, honestly, like if it was just a normal players meeting, uh, why bother to report it? Yeah, That's no, my question. It's not a, this is not a, a normal thing. This team is very, very good. They didn't do anything in the offseason, at least in my mind, that would have hurt the team. I mean, I think having seven top four defensemen isn't a, isn't a good thing right now. But I, I don't think that puts us in the position that we're in right now. People want to say, oh, Tony D'Angelo, Brendan Lemieux are a problem. No. I One. thought, thought Brendan Lemieux actually looked pretty good last night. I did, Vancouver. too. And I think Lemieux looked good in every game he's really played in with Carolina, which is surprising because, I mean, he's doing his role. He's a seventh forward. You know, he's that 13th forward, right? He's there to play when you need him to. And at this point, honestly, I want to see D'Angelo back on the ice. I just do. Because I think every player right now, other than a couple of exceptions, I think Lemieux is one of them. Nason's one of them. Drury. Drury. Which is crazy. Drury. But that's it. And they shouldn't be your best players. No, they shouldn't. So, I mean, at this point, I, I don't know. I, maybe I bench a forward. Maybe if Svetch is out, I go 11-7 and seven just because why not? <laughs> at this point, it's like... I'd bench Natchez, personally. Okay. I mean, yeah, but. I don't have a problem. Natchez was a direct result. He was a direct cause of a goal last night. So maybe he needs to spend a game in the press box. And you go 11-7 and seven for a night. And I'm fine with going 11-7. and seven. I don't have a problem with that. For a game or two, you know, maybe not. why not? Because look, Tony D'Angelo is a power play specialist. Why not put him and in you, such? And power also, you need good. a mix up right now. You've lost four games in a row. You just need something. Yeah, honestly, I'm something, surprised. something new. I was surprised he didn't play after what was it, Edmonton? I thought he would play after Edmonton, but again, I, I think there's just too much stubbornness right now on behalf of Robert Endemore when it comes to the defense, and I think it's pretty damning on him at the moment, especially we've lost four straight. Some of it's been a result of four defensive play by like Natchez. Some of it's been that Burns has clearly lost a step, and I don't think he's been this good this season. I think that's very clear. Oh, yeah. He, yeah, he's clearly <laughs> and lost I think a it's, step. And I think it's severely hurting Jacob Slavin, because I don't think Jacob Slavin has been all that great this year. I think he's had more flashes of greatness than anybody else on the blue line, other than maybe Brady Shea. I think Brady Shea's been our best defenseman this season, and that's not a good thing. Well, Slavin didn't do anything on that. Uh, shorthanded goal that Calgary did. But we'll get to that. In fact, we'll get to the games right now. But before we do, let's get to our sponsor. Bet the action on the ice with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app now and use code THPN. New customers can get 150 bucks instantly in bonus bets for betting just $5 on hockey. That's code THPN. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boo Hill Casino and Resort, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus pass expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash hockey for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. NHL and the NHL Shield are registered trademarks of the National Hockey League. Copyright NHL 23. All rights reserved. Okay, Sam, Calgary game. Uh, we, you saw most of this game. Um, I think you went to bed at the start of the third period. I watched all of it because I had the Friday off. Uh, but, Sam, first period was good. I loved the first period. They look very good. They dominated. They went up two to nothing. I mean, that's what you want. That that is what that is the response you wanted after you got shellacked by Edmonton. Yes, Nason scores from Slavin and Drury, and then Bunting scores from Orlov and Andrews. Huge bomb from Orlov, and we thought. I, I, and I was wondering if Bunting had tipped it or not, uh, because I think for a while the NHL app had Orlov having that goal, but then eventually switched to Bunting. Yeah. Uh, so good, good for Bunting and, uh, Nason, he's just been playing amazing. Uh, uh, unfortunate that his contract's ending at the end of the season. Sign him. 
you sign him. <laughs> you don't have any players who like to be in the front of the net. I think you got to give him a contract. If you want to let someone go, I don't know who it is, but can't be him. <laughs> at this at this point, I wouldn't be surprised if we traded Natchez. I just wouldn't. Would you do straight up Natchez for Lindholm? Just oh curious. yes, I would. Natchez for I do that in a heartbeat. Okay. I I just think Natchez. He's he's such a wild card. One, it's moments with him now. There are moments where he looks great. He's flying all over the ice. He's dancing. He's great. And then there are moments where he's a turnover machine. I just can't get a read on the guy, uh, but because he's just that, he's that inconsistent with his performance. Um, Sadly, but two nothing. Carolina's winning at the end of the first period. Things are looking great. Uh, second period, no, no goals, obviously. Uh, but, Sam, I think the second period, I think we saw a little bit more of a fight back from Calgary. Well, the ice started to tip slowly to Calgary, right? It's, you know, still Carolina, then it started to even out, even out. And then the ice just tilted hard in favor of the, in favor of the Flames. And after that, I mean, you just felt like it was coming. You get to the third period. Rasmus Anderson scores at 542. A couple minutes I later. Don't blame, I don't blame that Anderson goal on anybody. That If you watch that goal, that is like, it was the puck was bouncing like two or three times in front of, I believe the, uh, it was uh, Kachekov. Yeah, it was Kachekov that started in goal that game. And Anderson kind of gets the loose puck. He scores on the backhand. I don't really blame a lot of people. A lot of players there. But when it came to Zary, I mean, Kachekov had the puck, squeezed right through him, and Zary gets a loose puck, and Calgary ties it. And that is so disappointing, especially after Carolina's up 2 to nothing. Yeah, I mean, but it just, it's just, it's, it's, it's just another symptom of, of the problem Carolina's had of the season. It's their inability to hold on to leads. It's their inability to get things going. It's their inability to finish, you know, to do the right thing. And then it's like the icing on the cake is they give up a shorthanded goal. The Hurricanes' power play has been abysmal. It has not been good. I mean, just, I mean, seriously. I mean, I Yeah, we were one for five against Vancouver. So one for five against the Canucks. I mean, I think the last time we had a really good power play at what, Buffalo? Yeah, it was Buffalo. Did we get like two? Honestly, I mean... one... Even though we lost the game against Vancouver, I thought we won the special teams area in that regard because our penalty kill was really good, actually. The penalty kill's been moving in the right direction. The power play's been moving in the wrong direction, and I told everyone this was going to happen when they wouldn't play D'Angelo. The answer isn't Chatfield. The answer is D'Angelo, and you mix up your D pairings. And that fixes your problem. You get your power play specials, which is why you have him. At this point, I wouldn't mind seeing D'Angelo out because we've lost four games. So what you do is you put D'Angelo, Slavin, Shea, Orlov, Pesci, Burns. Done. Try it. Why Why not? I mean, at this point, you've lost four. I don't really see what else you got to lose. And Brendan Moore is willing to juggle... Ju- Juggled the uh, forward lines. Why not with the defensive lines? And, I just don't understand that. And to for be people honest. who are like, oh, you're just panicking. Carolina is 14, 12. And, well, yeah, they're 14, 12, and 1. They're sixth in the division, 29 points, and there's five teams in front of them. And Carolina's played 27 games. And by the way, only one team ahead of them has played the same amount of games. Everyone else has played less, which means not only are they ahead of us, they have games in hand on us. Carolina does not control their own fate right now. No, they don't. They have to beat these Metro teams and hope they might lose some of the other games. Now, granted, you have a long season and the ebbs and flows of the standings are going to happen and these teams are going to lose. I think it's more likely than not that Philly ends up falling off a little bit. I think they're very, I think they're playing very good. Very good coach. I don't expect them to keep this up all season. I don't think they're going to finish second. I think New Jersey's going to end up being in the playoffs. I think Pittsburgh might even figure it out themselves. But I haven't seen anything yet from Pittsburgh, from Carolina, or really, I mean, New Jersey a little bit more lately. They've been playing very well. I think they've won, what, their last two or three in a row? They're, they're on a three-game winning streak right now. I mean, so goodness, it seems like the they're starting the to. Did that? Like, we win one, two in a row, then we lose two, three in a row. I mean, it's just so even. And now we've lost four straight. So Carolina at one point was 14-8-1. So now they're 14-12-1. They've, they've lost out of a possible eight points. They've gotten zero. Out of a possible 
12 points, the most they can get is four. That is a failed road trip. Don't let any pundit or person try to convince you otherwise. It is a failed road trip. This road trip cannot be successful. It will not be successful. All you can do is hope to salvage something from it, a glimmer of hope from it before you come home. Because you get two games. Detroit, Detroit, Ottawa. So yeah, you gotta if be they in. can win those two games, I'd, I'd be probably maybe a little bit more comfortable. But I think all of us knows that the real problem, the real symptom, even though we've talked about offense, power play, it's goaltending. That's the real problem right now. Yes, it is goaltending. Your the save percentage is last in the NHL. Mm-hmm. I saw a chart on X today saying the Hurricanes were last in expected goals saved. saved abo- goals saved above average. Carolina is dead last. I think it's like minus twenty. It's a cumulative stat. It You're not going to get into the playoffs with that. No, not last. I mean Edmonton. I think is like second to last. They're also not having goaltending, but they have the offense to back up their poor goaltending, which might help them out eventually. Anyway, there's well, still- I think it's helping them out right now. They're riding on a five or six game win streak. Sure, and we expected that was more likely than not. Oh yeah, Edmonton's a decent team. They're a playoff team, probably a Stanley Cup contender if they even get into the playoffs. They're very good. They they also, too, have a goalie problem. But at this point, Carolina needs a goalie. I don't think they make the playoffs without getting a goalie. I think you need to expect Anderson not to come back. It sounds like the reporting is Carolina is starting to accept the fact that Anderson might not be back this season. I mean, I don't They should have already accepted that fact. No, and absolutely. I tweet, and and I was the one that tweeted out that huge viral tweet, which I was really happy about. But I mean, they should have already been in the goalie market for some time. Mm-hmm. That that's why I was disappointed to hear it. I think we're in a position now where we can't just go get that go interim goalie. I, I think you have to treat Anderson's problem of. He's not coming back. He's not coming back. I don't know if he will ever come back. Because if it's a matter of safety, he's not going to play, and he shouldn't have to play. You LTIR him, he's still going to get his money. He just isn't going to get to play. You put him on LTIR, maybe you replace him. I think at this point, if you can go make the deal without having to give up the barn and Nikishin, go get Soros. He's on a bad Predators team. They haven't been very good. I don't know why you don't try to go get UC Soros. I wouldn't mind Gibson, but I think there's I mean, there might Gibson's be a little bit more risk either. in that. I mean, yeah. I mean, or try to get one of the one of the three goalies from Detroit or sign Halak. You have options. Sure, and I mean, look. If you want to talk about UC Soros, just real quick, this season he's played twenty one games played. He's one eleven, one shutout, two point nine three, and a point nine oh four. That's better than anybody we got. <laughs> So, I mean, and put him in front of our defense. I mean, if you can make the deal work, I don't know why you don't try. If they want two firsts, you give them two firsts. I mean, at this point, I mean, what's you don't plan on missing the playoffs. You need to have that mentality. So you move your first, you go get UC Soros, you move next year's first, that's fine. I mean, or whatever. Maybe you move Pesci and you get a first and use that and go get Soros. I think that's fine, too. I'd trade this year's first. With a top 10 condition on it, the way we've been playing. I mean, sure. And then you can give them like Suzuki or maybe, um, yeah, we have other prospects too that are playing around or Vasily Panamarov. You want to move one of them with a pick or both of them in the pick. <laughs> or you, maybe you want to move Kachetkov and you want to yeah. get, or Ranta or whatever. I mean, to get Saros. Um, I'm, Saros is not that old and Saros is a very good goalie. He's proven he's a good goalie. Um, he's 28. So, I mean, at that point, he's a guy that I'm like, oh, you know, if, if Nashville's like, okay, you know, you know we want Kachekov because we want a younger goalie, I'd be like, you know what? Kachekov in a first. Give give us UC Soros. <laughs> I love Kachekov. I, I really do like Kachekov. He might be a good goalie, but we're not in a might goaltender situation right now. We're in it. We need one now. And we yeah, do we have do. another goalie in our system, Yanni Perret, who I do believe will be very good. He's struggling to adapt to the professionals. Not a problem. He'll get there. He's proven that he can play with men and play in college. So yeah. we'll get there. And, and another thing, too. I think, honestly, management needs probably at the start of the season should have had more than three goalies, well, four goalies in their system. Because you only have Yanni Peretz in your system. That's it. 
I looked at Cap Friendly, I believe. Yep, it is just him. Also, it's just, just him. Just you to, need to have more goalies than that. I'm sorry. And just to give Gibson stats, because you mentioned him too. Um, Gibson's played 18 games, five wins, no shutouts, 2.82 goals against average, and a .906 save percent average. I think he's been a little hurt, so that's why his games played isn't as high as some of the other as, as Soros. That's but. decent on a bad Anaheim team. <laughs> no, it mm-hmm. is, and I mean, I think if you're going to get Gibson, you want to go get. Mazaros, I think you talk to them both. He's like, look, these are the assets we have. We're willing to move. What does it take to get Saros? Okay, exactly. What does it take to get Gibson? Okay, if you want to go talk to Montreal, that's fine. If you want to go talk to another team with three goalies or Detroit, that's fine. <laughs> I'd rather if you want to go talk to Chicago about Peter Morozik. I think that's fine. Morozik's numbers aren't that great, but they're not that bad if you look at where team he's on. And I think that's probably something Carolina will look at. However, Carolina's not been all that great, so you might need that all-star goaltender, that really, really solid goaltender to get you to where you need to go. I agree with Adam Gold. You have till Christmas. Yeah, I completely agree, too. And obviously, after that shorthanded goal, we thought Carolina tied it. We did. Ajo scored, but apparently Netches, and I saw this from a mile away, they were going to uh, overturn that goal, and Netches had to stick up on... Um, into the goalie's jersey. Can't do that. And it gets waved off, and Calgary wins it 3-2. to two. They get three consecutive goals. That's a very frustrating loss. Now Vancouver. First period. Um, what's funny is, I mean, you look at the Calgary game. Carolina started off great, ended terribly. I thought, this, I thought the Vancouver game was the reverse. Yeah, started off bad and ended well. Yeah. Because first period, Carolina wasn't getting anything going, and as was, and also they're having some discipline problems too. But yeah. their penalty kill was elite, and Ronta was actually doing pretty good. He made some big stops in that first period. Now, unfortunately, it's one to nothing heading to the second, but it could have been a lot worse heading into the second. One to nothing. Sam Lafferty scores. Uh, he's been a revelation for Vegas, and um, second Vancouver. Sorry, Vancouver. I don't know why I said Vegas. <laughs> Probably because they have the same uh, first letter in the team name. But second period, Vancouver scores again. It's Mikulev, and Canes are playing a little bit better here in the second period than the first. And they show up. Martinuk gets a great pass from Foss. He elevates the puck, which is great, and he scores. Excellent. You get some life. And at this point right now, we don't care who scores. Um, and it's 2-1 to one heading into the third. And Sam, uh, we tie it 2-2. Two to two. Oh, no, 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 no. It's, sorry, my bad. I, I knew I was missing something. Uh, Vancouver obviously scores in the second period with Miller scoring. Uh, that was, if you remember that goal, Sam, that was when uh, Natchez was kind of, no, no, no. Um, maybe it was the Mickey Lev goal. Yeah, I think it was the Mickey Lev goal, even though I probably butchered that name. <laughs> um, but Miller, he, I, I remember the Miller goal now. He he comes in with, remember, Bunting, Natchez aren't really doing anything. He comes in for the slap shot into the slot and scores. Uh, that was terrible. I thought uh, the result of this game was bad goaltending and um, subpar defense because, honestly, our defense was not good this game. Really wasn't. But then you have some life with Shea scoring at the end of the second from Orlov and Bunting, and then you're like, there you go. Uh, nice pass from Orlov to Shea. And then we tie it into the third period with Nason scoring from Jury and Burns. So great that we tied it. And then Sam, it seems like this is going to happen every game. A very soft goal. Five very soft ground. I agree again. I agree again with Adam Gold. Ronta, what you doing with your stick, bud? Supposed to be on the ice, sticks on the ice, that puck's not going in. Oh my gosh, that was terrible. <laughs> and it's just this, and Carolina's been the better team. And you're playing, Carolina's the better team, they're the better team, they're the better team, they're pushing, they're pushing, they tie the game. And then Ronta's like, yeah. It's like, uh. I mean, you have two, I mean, you, it's just like, Nason, it's like, Natchez, what are you doing, man? 
on one goal, and then it's like, Ranta, what are you doing? I mean, Nathan, if Natchez just disturbs him a little bit, that puck doesn't go, that, that another chance never happens. I just, yeah. I, and, then, and then you need to save. You need to save. And you're just not getting saves. No, you, you're you're really not. Uh, it's We're letting in soft goals every game. You're not going to win with that type of goaltending. And, I mean, yes, you can't blame everything on your goalie, which is why I thought this game was a result of bad goaltending and subpar defense. This defense wasn't helping. But here's the thing, though. With your goaltending playing that bad for so long, it's going to eat those players' minds. I hope too, so. Because they're, they're, they're going to be... Because they're, they're, they're a little bit cautious in front of both goalies, afraid to make a mistake, and usually they make the mistake and the goalies just can't bail them out. You need a goalie that can bail. I don't think there's been one game this season where I can say, yes, our go- one of our goalies bailed us out. No. Uh, I can't think of maybe a shutout we had. Tampa. Yeah, maybe. But that, that was the most complete game I've seen. And we just haven't seen it again. And also, we're just not getting the goaltending. And I want to think, was that Freddie? Or was that Kachekov? I'm going to look up that game because I thought that was the most complete game we've had this season. 4 nothing shutout. Excellent. I want to think it was Kachekov. It could have been Kachekov. I'm, I'm looking at it here. Uh, but, I mean, that I mean that Tampa game was great. Uh, I mean, it, it was the... Uh, Second half of a back-to-back, you played very ter- You played horrible against Florida, which was five to two loss. Yeah, and it was Kachekov that makes a twenty-two save uh, shutout. Yeah, twenty-two saves, not bad. Nope. But my gosh, it, goaltending has just been terrible. But now you guys are going to hear uh, how Corey Lovellette. Is going to respond to this because yeah. Sam, and he, you're going to interview him. Yeah, he may agree, he may disagree. We'll get some of his thoughts. We'll talk about a wide range of different things going on. Um, enjoy it. Um, and here is my discussion with Corey Lavalette. All right, I'm Sam Driscoll, and I would like to introduce Corey Lavalette, North State Journal and The Athletic. Corey, thanks for, for joining us today. Yeah, happy to be here. Thanks for having me. So I want to start off with something, I guess, kind of on the more lighthearted side, just given, you know, the Hurricanes haven't been overly lighthearted lately. Uh, one of the things I I love about your uh, X or Twitter or whatever is you rate the siren sounders. And I will not lie. I love that. I look for it every game just to see what what, what made you decide to start that out of curiosity. I don't even know why I started it. It was just one of those funny things when they started doing it. Um, I noticed there were people who did well with it and other people who didn't. And then I kind of made up rules for, you know, what I think should be the the standard. So it's like, it's not about you. It's about firing the team up, you know, just kind of being totally ridiculous. And some people take it way too seriously um, and other people are good about it. And then, I, you know, I, I I never try to be like mean spirited about it. Certainly if there's anybody who's, you know, we have like hockey fights, cancer night, I'm not going to go and give the person in chemotherapy a D minus if they have a hard time on the siren. It's like, so I just, you know, I try to keep it lighthearted and, um, you know, funny and just something to keep it light. You know, that's, that's the main thing is I think in general, everybody takes sports a little too seriously so um, I try to I try to be good about just making sure that we're remembering what we're doing here. Like I I think every day, like there are people who are doing much more important jobs than writing about sports. And I try to tell people who write for me that, too, like, hey, if you've got an anniversary, if you've got a kid sick, if you've got, you know, if you have to miss a basketball game or a football game or whatever because of that, like this isn't the end of the world. That's the stuff we're doing. It's in the end of the day, it's supposed to be fun and uh, it's still a job and all that. But uh, that it, I think my whole mentality on what this career is about, it takes hard work and all the, and it's a job and it, and all of that, but it kind of plays off of that siren sounding thing about oh, let's just have, let's have some fun with this. You know, the, the funniest thing is my boss's boss's boss did oh, it. No. 
and you gave him a C and I was like oh that's so funny I'm not gonna tell him that because I was like oh that is great because I think you said he did it too short and that that was just the funniest thing because I went and looked I was like I wonder what he gave what he gave him and I saw it I was like oh that's so funny but of course everyone's like oh you did great you did great good job good job (laughs) and they're like well actually yeah no it was it was the funniest thing in the world I thought it was great Um, (laughs) yeah yeah, the um, I, I feel like 75% of the people who do it have no idea that there's some idiot out there giving made up grades about siren soundings. And um, so it's kind of funny. Now I got like the, the team staff, the the people who do the promotional stuff and the in-game stuff will send me messages and stuff about it. So it's kind of funny. So who's the best at doing it? You have a recurring one, you know, that they're just um, the best. Trying to think, there were a couple. Like Christian McCaffrey did it, and that one sticks out in my head. He was, um, he was really good at it. Um, usually, I mean, most of the time it's an athlete. Like to be honest with you, it's it's somebody who get you know Peyton Wilson did a good job with it. Um, it's somebody who just gets up there and just kind of rips it and shows off that they can do it, you know, really well. So that's that's usually what it is. My favorite is always when somebody tries to like go backward. Or, you know, like those are the best. It's so funny. Or, <laughs> or somebody's just up there and it's like they're churning butter. They're... And I'm <laughs> yeah. just, what are, what are we doing here? <laughs> I always, I mess with my co-host all the time. Like, I, I like wonder, wonder what he would give us a grade if we ever got to do that. I said, I'm going to do that it. would probably be terrible. My, my shoulder's messed up right now, too. So, like, there was one stretch where there was, like, nobody who was good. And one of the one of the team people came out to me and he was like, I'm going to, or I think he actually replied to me. He's like, we're going to put you up there. And I'm just like, well, I don't want to do that. I just want to like make a joke on it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. I love that. That's yeah. so funny. Yeah. Well, it's fun. It's, it's just silly. And you know, half the time I forget to do it and, um, or I'm in the hallway or I've been, you know, I'm on with Adam, you know, Adam gold in, in between periods or something. And I don't get back in time to my seat, but I, I always try to, you know, if I hear it starting up, I hear that little like humming noise they do right before they they do it. I'll always I'll at least try to peek at a at the monitor or, or stick my head back out on the press row to see if I can catch the person. They cut away really quick now. It used to be they'd stay yeah. on the person for a long time. So a lot of times I'm looking at the person from a distance, which isn't the best way because I need to see facial stuff and everything. But eh, what are you going to do? That's so funny. I love that. Yeah, I just I wanted that story. Um, <laughs> so I guess we'll go into the news that you and Elliot Friedman kind of broke last night after the fourth loss in a row on the road trip. The team, the players had an all player meeting. Um, I'm going to assume, given Elliot Friedman tweeted about it, that that is a a rare thing or something that maybe has not happened yet. I guess given just the, the state of the team, they're sixth in the Metro. A lot of teams above them have games in hand. They're not in an ideal spot. What can you tell us about that meeting that maybe you know or you've heard or or anything yeah. in general? It's hard when they're on the road um, because I don't travel with the team. So other than in the playoffs. So I, I was just going on what Elliot said. I do know, you know, as a media member, basically what happens is you come downstairs after the game and it, you don't wait too long, and then the room is open. And if they held a 20-minute meeting, that's why people knew about it, because everybody's standing out there waiting to get in, and instead there's a meeting going on. So, which is why, you know, when you see the quotes afterward, people are asking Sebastian about it, you know, because obviously it had already happened. So I, I you know, somebody mentioned that maybe they had one in January of last year, I don't, or of this year, but last season. I don't remember that. Um, I didn't really look into it. It's not hugely important but um it's pretty you know it hasn't happened at a game i've been at where we've been waiting to get in and you know you either you you probably wouldn't hear anything they're pretty far the locker room's pretty far away from where we go in but um just being delayed that long um would be the indication of that and then somebody like elliot is so tapped in i'm sure you know some usher somewhere was like hey by the way they've got the door shut and they're all in there or, or somebody from the team said it or you know something like that so I don't I don't know a whole lot about what was said other than what 
kind of what Sebastian said. Um, it's clear something's got to change. I can I can tell you that there's just been, um, and Rod said it a million times, like a lack of commitment to how they want to play. So um, they're in a bad spot right now. And I, you know, they've been good at home, which is the weird part. All of this has, most of this has manifested on the road. Um, but they got two more games now on this road trip and uh, they probably don't want to come back home having lost six in a row, I would imagine. Uh, we'll see how they respond. I would have thought a better response would have happened the other night, um, last night, but it really didn't. And um, the thing that I think gets lost on fans a little bit is the final result. So like I look back at the Winnipeg game and everybody was really mad online that they lost two to one, which was actually the what led to my story that ran in the athletic that got pushed back a couple of days. So now I have all these comments of why are you writing about goal scoring when goaltending's the problem? And it was like, well, that was before we've had like, you know, two game, two more games now where, you know, they had some issues in goal and, and just didn't, you know, play particularly well. So that I was at the mercy of kind of when it got published on that one. But um, yeah, so it's uh it's a tough, it's a tough situation right now. Like I, I don't, you know, it's not that a lot of these guys haven't seen situations like this before, you know, the, the core of the team was here for the Bill Peters era. Um, you know, Jordan Stahl and, and Jacob Slavin and Brett Pesci and Sebastian Ajo and Tara Vine. And, you know, they, they saw struggling, uh, but the expectations are so high this year and to play the way they're playing where just, um, Rod likes to call it taking a breath. And I think that's a good way to put it. Just so many moments of guys losing track of what their job is and it costing them over and over. So I don't know. Obviously I'm a fan, so I don't know the players. I do not know Rod Brindamore. So maybe I'm in a position where I can say this, where it's wildly unpopular and I know it might be unpopular, but I mean, you said it too, where people aren't buying in. Right. I would say maybe something happened like that in Edmonton. Maybe they weren't buying in there. Now you can see they're starting to rattle off wins. They're climbing. They're going in the right direction now. What Croft had an outstanding record in Edmonton. Do you think it's at all possible that maybe Rod's lost the room? Maybe it's not Rod. Maybe it's George Stahl who's lost the room as a captain. I mean, it's it, when you hear from multiple players saying some people aren't bought in, there aren't, you know, that seems to be the, the general thing that's being said so when i hear that i'm like okay well maybe you just have a couple of bad apples eric holler rings a bell where that's no one's fault other than it just didn't work out in carolina i mean i don't know who these players are there's not just what two new people orlov and bunting i mean i think bunting's been good i think orlov's been good i forgot lemieux i thought lemieux's been fine d'angelo's been here before so i guess i'm it's hard for me to look at this roster and say i you know they're not buying in it's interesting you know, is yeah. it is it a coach? Is it a player? I don't I don't think it is. I think there is something to the idea that this team has, you know, poured its heart out for five straight years playing under Rod and got to the playoffs last year. And I, I mentioned it the other day when Jordan Martinuk was interviewed after the game that he kind of looked shell shocked and that I hadn't seen him that look that way since after um after game four against the Panthers and maybe it it is residual from that that um this team is saying well it doesn't matter what we do in the regular season as long as we make the playoffs and Rod preaches over and over and over again like hey you can't have that postseason moment if you don't have the commitment in the regular season it's everybody wants to think that you play San Jose and you win and there's no there's no problem just, a, you know, a story that I always think about is I, I've got a friend whose brother was playing a pickup hockey game. This was, you know, we're talking 15 years ago. And Aaron Ward showed up at the rink. And everybody thinks of Aaron Ward as kind of a defensive defenseman. And he said, just watching him, it was just like he could do anything he wanted at any moment. You know, like he could go out there and do any like you watched him and you were like, this is the absolute peak of of hockey talent and we know Aaron Ward wasn't the peak of hockey talent there were players who were better than him but I think it's good to take that kind of thought and then realize everybody who's in the NHL Ryan Reeves is a hell of an like you put him in an, in an NHL game and he's maybe the worst player on the ice but at the same time 
He's a hell of a hockey player. So, you know, I think Rod always talks about like, there's no, there's no easy games. And maybe, maybe some of the guys have thought, you know, well, you know, we, we've gotten this far in the playoffs. Let's take the, take the pedal off the, or the foot off the pedal a little bit in the regular season. And it's hard to get the foot back on the pedal. Um, so it's, a, I mean, it's a situation that I don't think anybody expected. Um, I don't think, you know, you, you look back to when Lemieux scored the other day and then he had his post-game press conference where he just heaped praise on Brindamore. You don't hear that an awful lot from a guy who's been scratched more than half the games in a season to come out and say, you know, I, and it may, half of it may have been a shot at Tortorella who we played for last year. And, you know, he showed up there and Tortorella immediately deemed him out of shape, maybe not saying the players out of shape, but he hasn't played in eight games or something, you know, he's out of shape, quote unquote, because he hasn't played. Um, it's still something you don't, a player doesn't like to hear about them. So there, there could have been two sides to that of, but at the same time, you have to take that and think, well, here's a guy who's not, who's, who's the 13th forward. Those are, you know, oftentimes those are the guys that are hardest to keep happy, right. You know, keeping Derek Steppen happy last year and, you know, stuff like that, or, or Calvin DeHaan, you know, with the defense or even Tony D'Angelo right now or, or Chatfield earlier in the year. So to hear that, you think, well, here's a guy who's new here and he's already kind of bought in and, and is committed to this coach. So I don't think, I don't think there's any, um, you know, people wavering on is Rod, you know, you know, blocking him out or anything. I don't think the same is true of Jordan Stahl. I think he's too respected in the room. I think you just have, you know, maybe it's a situation where you have too many guys who are playing for contracts who are like, well, I could play that way. However, if I only put up, you know, 30 points or if I only play X minutes, what good is that for me? And you you start to wonder about things like that. This is the second time in a row Martin Natchez has been up for a contract and he's he looks like a mess right now. I mean, I don't know how else to put it. I mean, he's a kind of a disaster. You know, the best he played was on the fourth line and then Svechnikov went down for a couple games and all of a sudden he's back in the top nine and he's right back to making the same defensive mistakes he was making before. Do you think, so we've seen in Columbus, Johnny Goudreau gets benched, Patrick Line gets benched. We see it all over the league. All-star players getting benched. Do you think it's time Nature spends a little bit of time in the press box? Maybe a game? Maybe, you know, we're going to play Ottawa. Maybe he takes a seat. You go run 11 and 7. Yeah, like, I mean, or Svechnikov is ready or whatever. Um, I think, you know, I think that's uh, – I would imagine that's on the table if this continues. The flip side of that is if they are like, to me, you look at the situation right now, is there any way the Hurricanes are going to give Martin Natchez a big contract after this season? Given how he's played this year, I don't see how they can. Now, there might be other teams who see him and see a player who scored 70 points last year and think that's a guy we could maybe add for a little bit cheaper. So if the Hurricanes are at all exploring the idea, and I'm not suggesting they are, but if they were, to trade him and to try to shake things up and, you know, jolt people back uh, into shape. He's a guy you could trade, but do you want to be trading him after you've scratched him? You know, all of a sudden you're basically putting a discount sticker on him. So uh, I think that's something, you know, to keep an eye on. I, I don't think it's a, against the realm of possibility to, to sit him for a game because it's been bad. Like, I don't know how else to, to say, I mean, he's just been, he, he hasn't been good and, um, it's other than that little stint playing on the fourth line where it looks like he found his game again. It's like, he went back in the top nine and that play last night with JT Miller, I mm -hmm. was blown away. You got two guys standing there as he cruises right through the middle of the ice, just, uh, oblivious to, <laughs> to this guy coming in and, and, uh, and scoring a big goal. So. No, I mean, look, I, I agree. I think Natchez has been iffy this season. I mean, there's, there's flashes, like you said. Um, another player on an expiring contract that's doing average, I would say. I, I haven't loved Pesci's game this season. I talked at the beginning of the year. I said my concern is this year, again, we had some players, and I flumped uh, basically everybody in who was there except, I think, Pesci more so. I mean, I don't know if there was another player on this roster that there were trade rumors just swirling around. And the last time I thought of that was, I was like, that's Jack Eichel. He had all of that happen. And then that was just a 
destroyer on the locker room. I mean, Maybe. I guess I was concerned, you know, I was like going into this and like, we got seven in my mind, seven top four defensemen. Someone's going to get benched. It's not going to go over well. And then we have a guy who, who might feel like the team doesn't want him. I mean, there was rumors he wanted 7 million. The team was like, you're crazy. Uh, you know, I, it, it, I guess we I mean, kind of more to your point of the contract situation with everybody that could be, you know, if they've had preliminary discussions like Pesci, the team, they may have asked for something and the team was like, no, because I mean, they're off. I think team wants five Pesci wants seven. And that's a big difference. Yeah. And I mean, I think the big thing always with the hurricane, like people have get really bent out of shape about the Orloff contract and say, why would you pay that much money to a guy to play on your third pairing? Well, the reason they would pay that much is because he took two years. That's that's the big thing. And I think that is the thing we have to come back to with every one of these deals that they sign is they're going to go to Brett Pesci and say, hey, Brett, we'd love to have you back. We think you're a big part of this team. We love the way you play with Brady Shea. That's why you two play more minutes together than any pairing in the league. Um, but we can't give you seven or eight years. We just in good conscience, we can't say we're going to have you out there until you're 36, 37 years old making a large dollar amount. So that's where things get um get tough for the hurricanes is they don't want to commit to those guys that are a little older, um, with the exception of Ajo. And I mean, even him, he's not as old as you know, he had hit, he hit free, he's gonna hit free agency, you know, without having had a bridge deal. Um, well, a real, you know, he never really had a bridge deal. That second deal was pretty big, um, you know, through the offer sheet and everything. And um, you know, he's going to hit it again and he'll, or he, he would have hit it again or he would have hit free agency, but instead you get him when he's 27, you know, which is a big difference from when you're 30, like those three years are a huge difference. I, I, a lot of people mentioned Pesci to me and I, I haven't hated how he's played. I feel like more than anything, I mean, the defense in the start of the year, yes, especially the third pairing was not good. Um, I really look at the forwards and, you know, I think if I remember correctly, I think Martin Natchez has been on the ice for 26 five on five goals against, hmm. and I don't want to keep coming back to him and act like he's the only reason they're not doing well. But I mean, I, I want to say that's almost 10, eight or 10 goals more than anyone else, anybody else on the team. And it's just, to me, that's alarming, you know, and you know, I bunting has had, like I mentioned, bunting's had his issues. Um, Jordan Stahl is playing like he normally does, but that line hadn't really produced until recently. So, you know, maybe Martin gets going now. Jordan Stahl had a couple games there with a the goal. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I haven't hated Pesci's game as much as a lot of people have. And, um, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm more concerned, obvious, honestly, about Brent Burns and is he going to contribute more offensively? Um, because right now that top pairing isn't putting out a ton of points. Mm. Um, so, you know, there's, there's things out there they can do. I mean, it's the question is, is do they want to make a trade? I, it, this is not a team that panics, you know, they're not going to make a panic move and do something really dumb and end up hurting themselves for five years because they had a, you know, five or six game losing streak. So, um, I think that's something that's always good to remember with them. Yeah, I mean, I agree, especially with Burns. Uh, I, I, you know, he's an older player. The, the you know, it's like, okay, at some point, is he going to regress? Because last year, it's like, you didn't regress not even a little. You know, at some point, it was, you know, it's going to happen, right? It, it, it's even going to happen probably to Yermir Yager at some point, right? And it looks like it hasn't yet, but at some point, it probably will. And it may be starting to do so to Burns. I mean, I've made the argument that as much as I do like Chatfield, I'm like, okay, well, we do have an option that works. It's Slavin and D'Angelo. You're going to get a similar kind of player who's going to be able to put the puck in the net, create offense, a little younger, a little faster, probably a little bit more dynamic with the passing. You need to get your power play specialist back because since D'Angelo's been scratched, I think the power play's been a bit iffy. I mean, we've given up some shorthanded goals. I don't blame that on any, you know, I think that's a team problem, not really a, a singular player problem. But I would like to see, you know, Rod blends the line for forward lines like every other game. I mean, I, at this point, I'm like, okay, we're losing four straight. It might be beneficial, you know, not to maybe do a trade, but, you know, let's let's see what happens if we 
throw the defensive pairs in a blender for a game. You know, what, what do we have to lose? Right. Yeah. And I mean, I, I don't disagree with you. I think that if you're going to do something, I don't think you break Pesci and Shea up. I think they play too well together. I think they're both better than the sum of their parts. Now it doesn't mean that they're not good on their own individually. Um, but I think together they're very good. Um, but you're right. Like, you know, that Slavin and D'Angelo could work together. The question is, could Burns and, you know, whoever you're going to put them with otherwise work well together? Burns and Orloff, is that going to work? Um, you know, is Burns a player who's better when he plays more minutes? Like, you know, he's always been a workhorse. If he suddenly is only playing, you know, 16 minutes a night, does it become less effective? That's something a lot of people don't think about. A lot of people, you know, a lot of players need that ice time to to be effective. So, yeah, they've got, um, you know, there's a lot out there. I, one thing I, I've heard Mario Ferraro's name mentioned a bunch. And when I mentioned that, you know, Pesci and Shea have played together more than anybody in the league. Um, a couple of years, like the, the season before Burns came here, it was like Pesci and Shea were one, two. And that that included like all situations. So they played together on the penalty kill. Mario Ferraro and Brent Burns were right there too. They were the two top pairings that played together. And I hear his name out there and I'm like, well, if you could get Mario Ferraro and play him with Burns, maybe that opens up Slavin to play with D'Angelo or, or even with Chatfield who, you know, has shown he can play well with Slavin. I mean, I, um, you know, so there's a, there's options out there, I think, but uh, to, to me, it's, that's not the big problem right now. The big problem, everyone wants to say, see, go, everyone sees goals go in the net. And the first thing they say is the goalie stink. And then they say the defense stinks. And maybe if they mean defense as in team defense, they're right. But a lot of this stuff has been forwards. Like just, you know, especially when you play a man on man, like the hurricanes do. <laughs> so let's talk about goaltending <laughs> because I do think Carolina's goaltending stinks. Um, I think the numbers show that. I don't think they stink every night. And I do think the numbers where they are really bad. I think Ronta has played better than his numbers are going to indicate. And I think Kachekov is probably playing as good as his numbers show. So I think Carolina has a goalie who can play backup, Ronta. I do not think they have a guy who can go start. So, And I don't think Yanni Peretz is the answer. I mean, you got to think Carolina's got to go get a goalie. Yeah, I mean, the thing that I think is hard for the Hurricanes is they know both of these goalies are capable of playing well behind a team that's playing well. Now, that's not always true. What, what people need to realize is that's not always true. Like, there are teams that play really, really well, and their goaltending totally, you know, abandons them. And I don't feel like the goaltending has abandoned the hurricanes a lot of nights uh obviously last night you want ranta to make that save uh on Pedersen. you know you it's just a totally misplayed situation where he's, he's fundamentally everything he does isn't right you know he's he's not prepared for the wraparound and it goes in the net um if the hurricanes give up four goals in the first period because ranta doesn't make like three amazing saves you know, we're probably still blaming him for those goals going in, even when, you know, that the one diving save he makes across the crease is like an all world save. So I guess the question is, who do you go out and get and at what cost? Like, I've got one person who's in my mentions like every day, anytime goaltending comes up, he's like, Carter Hart, Carter Hart. And I'm like, that's great. Do you think the Flyers are giving Carter Hart away? Are you ready to give up Seth Jarvis for Carter Hart? Because I bet you that's who they're going to ask for. You know, everyone thinks trades are easy and that, you know, oh, you should have just offered more. I had somebody mention the other day, like they should have traded for Tyler Toffoli. And I was like, OK, who's the who's the Sharon Govich on the Hurricanes that you're going to make as the centerpiece of that deal? Is Sharon Govich in a second from New Jersey to Calgary. And they were like, oh, well, I would Jack Drury. And I'm like. Jack Drury hasn't scored 50 goals in the NHL over three seasons, you know, like. It's not just because you think Jack Drury is equal to Sharon Govich doesn't mean anybody else in the league does. So, you know, that's the question is like, you know, what are you willing to pay? Who are you going to go get? Uh, I've had people tell me like, oh, they should. You know, I've, I've even seen Sarah mention they should have just kept Alex Nadelkovich all along. And I'm like, 
Did nobody pay attention to what the last two years for Alex Nedeljkovic were like? Even this year. I mean, he's had an okay season, but he's only played like five or six games. So it's like, um, you know, it's like, who are you going to go get? And are they really an upgrade? Is Jake Allen really an upgrade? Is James Reimer, who's somebody who could be out there? Going back to James Reimer, if I had said to you at the beginning of the year, yeah, they're not going to re-sign Ranta. They're going to bring James Reimer in. Everybody would have lost their mind. Like, oh, Ranta's better than Reimer. Well, here we are right now. Um, the question is, is, you know, it, does another goaltender make a difference? Can you, is there, is there a game-changing goaltender you can get that is going to cover up the real underlying problems? I know that if I'm talking, you know, goalies that I feel like you can maybe get on the cheap side, you know, maybe you go to Halak and say, oh, we're willing to waive that thought of the conditioning stand. We <laughs> can't do much worse. We'll throw you in, you know, in these last, you know, in a game. Um, or I thought, okay, you know, his numbers aren't great, but you look in the team in front of him, Peter Morozik, you know, Chicago's not good. If they can get something out of it, I don't know why they don't do that. Um, if you're talking about game-changing goalies at that point, I would – at that point, it's a, okay. Anderson's not coming back, and that's like he's not coming back. At that point, I'm like, okay, well, let's talk to Nashville. I've heard Soros' name batted around in the past, not even mentioned with the Hurricanes, just in general that they wouldn't be willing to move him. I'm like, okay, that's going to cost. So he's a younger guy. I guess he's a guy that I'm willing to pay a little bit more to get, as long as it really doesn't involve Nikishin. And and then my co-host mentioned that's who it's gonna that's who it's gonna cost. Like, I mean, that's the thing is um, you know, when they were trying to get Matthew Kachuk, Martin Natchez was in the deal. I mean, that you know, he was the guy that was the main piece going going the other way to Calgary. Uh, and that wasn't enough. Now, the Hurricanes, I think, would tell you that they feel like what they were gonna offer was better than what Calgary ended up getting, and that's kind of played out given how Huberdeau's played and how, you know, I don't think Uyghurs played poorly, but certainly Huberdeau hasn't lived up to to that. So, yeah, I mean, that that's the thing is everyone thinks it's easy to make a trade, you know, that it's easy to fix these problems. You know, maybe Yarrow Halak would be better, you know, but, but Yarrow Halak's also had like a 900 save percentage for three straight seasons. So are we really are we really looking at a guy who's an upgrade necessarily, especially when for how bad everything's been, I think Kachekov is still a, you know, 880 or something, you know, we're talking two goals out of a thousand you know, or out of a hundred, out of a hundred rather. Um, so I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's not, I mean, I don't, I don't envy the situation the hurricanes are in because you're right. You can't ask a kid who's in his first pro season to come up from the ECHL and be like, be our savior because that's just not going to happen. And it's not even really a fair situation for Kachekov. He hasn't played that many games in North America. You know, it's, um, you know, it's a tough, that's a tough one too. And so, I mean, you look around the league and who's an upgrade and what do they cost and what are you willing to give up? And, you know, are you, you know, would you trade Martin Natchez as part of a deal for a goalie? Maybe, I don't know. Are you satisfied with what you have left at forward then? Um, everybody thinks that it, all those decisions are just at, in your hands. Uh, I've had a, a zillion people tell me lately, like, oh, they should have just kept Nino all this time. I was like, they tried to keep Nino. He took a different deal. It was like, they knew that if they, you know, uh, and then they were like, oh, we'd have Nino and bunting. I'm like, no, don't you understand? Like the bunting money was the Nino money from a year ago. <laughs> like it's, you know, and that's why Pacioretty should have had Nino and Pacioretty. No, that they had the the money to take on Pacioretty for nothing because they didn't sign Nino. Like it, all the all the pieces have to fit together, uh, and that's that's the hard part with a salary cap. So I'm going to end with this because I have to eat my own words, and I don't think there was anyone else who got it right other than you. I want to congratulate you on being right about Yesberry Kokinyemi being a number two center because I don't think Adam believed it. I didn't believe it. My co-host didn't believe it, but I think Jesperi Kokinyemi has been a very, very, very solid number two center, and I think he has grown into that role. I don't blame him for the, you know, the whole team's not doing good right now, so I'm not about to hang that over his head and be like, oh, he's not the number two center. Ajo hasn't got a point since this road trip started, so, you know, I can't go in and say, okay, K's a problem. So I want to say you were right. I was wrong. KK is outstanding as a number two center.
maybe not the best time for you to do this Mia culpa because I think he's one of the guys that Rod is mentioning not so much as a you know oh he's not buying in but I think they need him to be better and he hasn't been he hasn't been particularly good lately um it's almost a little bit of an inverse of what happened last year when they you know he Svechnikov and Natchez came out of the gate and they were all over everyone and um and he just was not getting points, even though Svechnikov was scoring goals. Natchez was piling up points. He was sitting there playing center and not not getting any points and had that really rough 20 games to start the year and then turned it on. And then everyone's like, oh, OK, um, this guy can play. And now he had a really good start to this year. And now he's in a little bit of a funk, too. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think. I think the thing about him is he's physical. I think people don't realize how big he is. He's he's a physical and he's a big guy. He's a bigger center. Um, and he's not the fastest skater in the world. Uh, has an underrated shot. He's he's got a little bit of teravinitis, um, where maybe he doesn't shoot as much as he should. Um, but yeah, I think he's a I think he's a good player. Um, they need more from him too. I mean, let's be honest. Like, um, is he a number two center on a Stanley cup winner right now? Not with how he's played the last two weeks or so. Can he be? I think, I think he can be, you know, especially when they're deep everywhere, you know? Um, so uh, yeah, maybe not the best time to take a victory lap on that one with how he's played. <laughs> but I do think I do like his game. I do think there are, there are definitely, there's definitely stuff there and he's so young still too. Well, I appreciate you coming on. We had a good time, good conversation. I thank you for the insight on this. Um, North State Journal, The Athletic, and Corey Love on Twitter. Is that right? If that's what we're calling Twitter now, I don't know anymore. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know either. Um, thank you for coming on. You're welcome back anytime. Uh, we'd love to have you back. Yeah, happy to do it anytime you need me. Thanks. Thank you. Well, that was a great interview Sam Driscoll had with Corey Lavalette. We, once again, would like to thank him for giving up his time of coming on. And that will be the end of our episode. So we will see you guys Friday. Thanks for listening to the Kaniac Report. Be sure to subscribe wherever you heard this podcast so you never miss a future episode. Can't get enough of the Kaniac Report? For more content or to connect with the Sams, check them out on Instagram and Twitter at The Kaniac Report. We'll see you next time.